0: Coming sick yeah. and not being able to run or work or really do anything, you know, for a good period of time, I wouldn't have come to this place in my life where I'm much more peaceful and more able to just accept life and just to be. Welcome to A Second Chance, for the most positive and uplifting time on the radio, stay tuned and get in tune with your host, Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio.
1: Welcome to A Second Chance Podcast. I'm really excited today. This is our first interview face-to-face at the Vancouver Library Inspiration Lab. And this interview today is especially for women that are overcoming obstacles, negative self-talk and self-limiting beliefs that want to achieve their dreams. And I'm so excited to share this because it's so close to my heart. This is what I've been personally trying to do for the last couple of years. And I'm holding with me the 80-year rule. What would you regret not doing in your lifetime? So without any further ado, let's welcome Claire Young.
0: Thanks, Gina. Thanks for inviting me. This is really exciting. I get a chance to share my story and also be able to at least offer some tips and some insight, I hope.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Claire, I would love if you could take a couple of minutes just to tell our audience a little bit about your life today.
0: I was a lawyer for 23 years, and um, when I turned 50 in 2012, all of a sudden I was struck by some kind of mysterious illness. I was training for the Vancouver Marathon, and all of a sudden I couldn't run. I couldn't run one mile, let alone you know the 26.2 that would be required for the marathon. And then I went to my doctor, and my doctor... You know, I was put through tests and tests and tests and more tests. And at the end of the day, my doctor thought, oh, you must just have some mysterious virus, which I think at the end of the day just means we have no idea what you have, but <laughs> nothing showed up in the testing. So good luck. Carry on with your life. And so it was at, in that year, after six months of, you know, trying to drag myself to work every day, um, you know, working long, long hours and feeling like the walking dead, that, um I ended up quitting my job in September of 2012. I walked away from my career as a lawyer with no plan in place and just decided, well, it was my partner, Vivian, who decided, no, you need to get your health back so you can actually get your life back. And that's been the start of you know a, a whole new journey for me.
1: Oh, it's so fascinating because I was eating sushi at the local sushi store and I came across the immigrant magazine that I found your story in. And it's just so hard to imagine what that would be like being a lawyer, which, you know, I perceive is like such a good job. and, And then just all of a sudden, one day deciding that's it with no plan. What was that like if you take us there?
0: It was scary. It was probably the scariest thing I'd ever done in my life. And, you know, the thing with being a lawyer, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think if somebody is passionate about practicing law and practicing, you know, being in the profession and wanting to be a lawyer, it's a great job it just was not the right job for me. Mm. And so, you know, the the whole leaving uh, the practice of law was scary in that I had income one day, and the next day when I quit, no more income. And that probably has taught me the biggest lesson of all in terms of, um, you know, yes, of course, we all need income to live. But at the same time, it made me look at what I wanted in life. And it made me really do some soul searching in terms of trying to figure out what is my purpose in this life, because just working to earn enough money so I can, you know, live the rest of my life yeah. was not the way to go for me. And, um, you know, during the period of soul searching, I started to really try to tap into my heart and my soul and to try to figure out, well, what is my greater calling? Um, what is my purpose on this earth? Because surely to God, you know, My purpose on this earth couldn't simply have been just to be here, be a lawyer, earn an income, and live my life. What am I put here for? Why am I here? And I started to really try to connect with that. And the funny thing is my family is Catholic. My parents are Catholic. But growing up, you know, and so I had to go to church, and I was confirmed, all of those things. But growing up, I never truly connected with organized religion. Mm. And yet, after I quit my job... I became a much more spiritual person in the sense that I do believe that we're all connected in some way through yeah. some kind of spirituality, through the energy of the universe. Not so much you know, in terms of I'm Catholic or I'm Protestant or any of those things, but really it's more a spiritual connection and, and through yeah. the connectivity of the universe. And that has given me, I think, great comfort and great peace in knowing that I am now on a path that's going to help me achieve a greater purpose.
1: I just love that because being in that place without that greater purpose can be so lonely and just feel like you have nowhere to go. I think it can paralyze you with fear.
0: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I think finding that greater purpose also helped me to work through, you know, the, the recovery of regaining my health and knowing that, okay, if I'm here for a greater purpose, I have to figure out what that is. And that's what led me to getting my coaching certification. So I'm now a certified whole person coach and a certified, um, associate certified coach with the international coach federation, which is the governing body for coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, and since sort of becoming a coach and starting up my own, business as a, a coach, an entrepreneur and speaker, mm-hmm. um, I also teach now at the Justice Institute in the Bachelor of Law Enforcement Studies program. And, um, you know, teaching has also allowed me to really connect with, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of the students in my class in a way that I was not able to connect with people when I was a lawyer. You know, as a lawyer, I was an advocate. I was always in conflict and always fighting for someone. Not that that's a bad thing. True, yeah. Um, but you know, you're also always very critical because you're trying to look for weaknesses in the other side's case. Right. Whereas now as a coach and as a, as an instructor, my, I see my role as looking for the brilliance in all of the people I meet and reflecting that back to them. Ah,
1: that's beautiful. So that
0: they can see it in themselves. And what a powerful place to be in that it is so gratifying for me mm-hmm. when one of my clients or one of my students all of a sudden has that aha moment and can see their own brilliance and can see that, wow, I have a great future in front of me. I just have to now make a plan and take the steps to get to where I want to get to. And that is a way more gratifying feeling than you know, ever winning a case for a client or anything like that could ever have been for me.
1: Oh, I just want to jump in at this point here, because okay. when I started my journey, when I was in the hospital, I listened to all of these different podcasts and they talk so much about that. And I wonder if anybody else could have been in the same place I was where you think, "Oh, that's for them, but not for me. Can anybody find that place where they find their passion, make a plan and then get to where they want to go?
0: I truly believe that people can. And and I know there are a lot of skeptics out there. You know, a, a lot of people think, well, you know, following your passion is stupid. And, and we see that in, in the popular media from time to time. You know, mm. people, say, you know, following your dreams is stupid, following your passion is stupid. It's not practical. What are you talking about? I hear that but, a lot. <laughs> exactly. But at the end of the day, I think the disconnect is that if you don't figure out what you're passionate about mm-hmm. and what it is that your greater calling is on this earth, you will go through life not fully joyful mm-hmm. not fully feeling fulfilled and and with a lack of purpose um you know I compare the 3 years now since I quit my job um mm-hmm. you know to to where I am now and I wake up joyful every day and thankful that I am able to do what I'm doing now and to be able to connect with people the way I connect with people now through what I do as a coach, as an instructor, as a, um, as a speaker, Mm um, you know, which I did not have when I was a lawyer, I woke up thinking, oh, good God, I've got to get to the office by, you know, eight 30 or nine or whatever time I'm going to be late or get there as opposed to, wow, I'm grateful for everything that the universe has brought me. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is once you can reach the place where, um, at least for me personally, where I can feel that gratitude and feel that I am doing what I meant to do, Mm -hmm. then everything just seems to be easier. And Mm -hmm. I am much more at peace as a human being, which, you know, I think for me personally is, is a great place to be. It's a lovely feeling as opposed to feeling the anxiety of, I got to get to work. I got to be like this. I'm fighting with people. I'm Mm -hmm. unhappy. I've been able to, put a lot of that aside because I am now doing what I I feel that I'm meant to do.
1: Now I'm curious, do you think that there's a possibility that your sickness was partially created by what was going on in your work life?
0: Well, it's interesting, even though the doctors couldn't figure it out, my therapist Mm -hmm. thought um, that I was suffering career burnout at
1: Mm -hmm. the end of
0: the day. You know, he and he was a, a great help to me during that recovery period of just because, you know, when the doctors are like, it's a virus, it's something we don't know what's wrong with you. Carry on with your life and and you're still feeling like the living dead. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, my therapist was so helpful in just helping me to at least dig down at, well, what's important to you in life? Well, you know, what what is it about your upbringing, about your values, about all of that, that made you have this huge disconnect? And my therapist Did think that it was, um, a lot of it was career burnout. And I look back now and I think, yeah, absolutely. I was in the wrong job for what I needed in my life. And, you know, when I went to coaching school, one of the first exercises we do as part of the learning is that we do a core values exercise.
1: Oh, that's a good one. And
0: when I, you know, listed my top five core values, they were, you know, love, adventure, um, inspiration, authenticity, and something else that now I get all of a sudden (laughs) has been sucked from my brain. But certainly, you know, I'm when I look at that, I think, wow, I have to be passionate about what I'm doing. I have to love what I'm doing, both in terms of work and, you know, career and just life in general. I have to be able to be authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think what the disconnect for me in terms of being a lawyer was that, you know, I had to be this... Advocate for my client and really for me to do that, I had to put all of my caring self aside in terms of, you know, caring for people and caring. Of course, I cared for my client and that I cared about their case and I had to win it for them. But I also had to be critical of the other side and I had to come out, you know, full on gangbusters, all of that kind of thing, which for me as a person, um, takes me so far away from the love and authenticity that is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I think really helped to sort of push me into a, a headspace that then may have led to, you know, my getting, my getting sick.
1: So will you tell us what was the actual symptoms and did you end up in the hospital at the worst point?
0: No, so at least on on you know during this illness, I did not end up in the hospital, even though I've been in the emergency room a number <laughs> of times through my sports injuries and whatnot and and I also have a a heart um, arrhythmia issue that causes um you know the blood to back up in my coronary sinus, but that's not life threatening or anything so that's a good thing but really, the symptoms were just extreme fatigue.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I could hardly get up. In the morning and, you know, being at work, I was dragging myself through the motions and not able to fully be there in that I was so tired. Every yeah. minute of the day, I was tired. I couldn't run. And, and the hardest part for me during that illness period, you know, and it was a good six months when I was totally just almost unable to run, mm-hmm. that that was really telling for me because of the fact that, um, you know, i had run marathons, I had done you know, long distance cycling mm-hmm. um, events, all of that kind of thing, and that all of a sudden not being able to to run made me realize that, okay, there is something wrong with my health, that if I can't even run one kilometer, mm. something bad is happening here. And um, yeah, it was very odd that, you know, nobody ever really figured it out. None of the blood tests, none of the anything showed anything. You know, I had blood tests, biopsies, you name it. You know, I was poked and prodded to the nth degree and everything came back negative, Mm -hmm. Um, which was also quite disconcerting, you know, because it it was like, okay, well, what else is there? What other test is there? What's going on? Um, But now I look back and I think my therapist was probably right. It was career burnout that just caused me to just, you know, flatline, so to speak, as Mm -hmm. a human being that I wasn't able to function and maybe a a little bit of the powers of the universe that kind of forced me to take a step back to reevaluate my life because I needed to do that. I was going down a path where I was, I think, as a human being because I was unhappy in my job and I was in the wrong place and the wrong fit that I was a, a really cranky person, you know, much of the time. And and that's a horrible place to be, you know, to always feel that there's a knot inside your heart um, and to go to work and go through life with this knot in your stomach and in your heart. Yeah. And, you know, now I am able to let go of a lot of that and and just be at peace with who I am, what I do, and really help others, to, you know, be the best they can be and to live their best lives. And, um, when I started to write the book, this, the book came about as a result of, um, you know, the first coaching class I went to and I went to coach training world, which is run by a, a woman named Ferocia Knight and she's in Portland and just Ferocia is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my entire life. And, um, the first class I went to when I met her, um, She gave us each a a book that they had compiled of stories from other coaches that had gone through the school. And she, you know, when she handed me the book, I said, wow, this is really exciting. I've always wanted to write a book. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, I think you have a book in you.
1: I think we all have (laughs) a book. Yes, I think we all do.
0: And so out of that came the 80 year rule. And um, it's a little bit about my journey and also um, one of the chapters I put in a lot of coaching exercises in order for the reader to have, you know, have their own space, what I like to call their courageous space to figure out, well, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to uh, achieve? What do I want to accomplish? You know, what is it that I want to do in terms of, you know, looking back when I'm 80 years old, what will I regret not doing? Mm -hmm. with my life? You know, what is it that in this lifetime that I want to accomplish that will make me feel like I've lived a good
1: life? That is such a good perspective of looking at it because I think often we tend to look at what am I going to do in three days from now? (laughs) What's for dinner? I have no idea. I didn't think of that,
0: right? (laughs) Yes. And, and, you know, and, and the thing with, I think having a, a greater plan in place, it also then allows you to take smaller steps and and to recognize that, yes, obviously, if I say, you know, I, I would like to accomplish this big thing, you know, by the time I'm whatever age, I also have to recognize that I have to take small steps too yes. and that every step forward is a step forward and it's important to celebrate that. So with starting up my own business, you know, when I first started out, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be up and running in a year and I'm going to be all good. I'm going to have clients. I'm going to do this and that. And then as I started that journey, I came to realize it's one step at a time, one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And writing the book was the same thing, one step at a time, one day at a time. And some days I have to revamp, you know, my original plan. Mm -hmm. And some days I have to look at, okay, well, I had thought I was going to do this as part of my business okay I'm no longer going down that road because I don't think it fits anymore or mm-hmm. even now as I'm looking at you know what I do as a coach okay what would I like to offer um in terms of workshops and all of those things I'm now learning that yes I have to constantly reevaluate
1: yeah absolutely um,
0: and continue to move forward and every small step that I take it's a step forward and some days you know you you do get caught up and you don't You spin your wheels and you don't move forward, but that's okay. And learning to not beat myself up. That's important. Yes. For not, you know, oh God, I have this big list. I didn't accomplish that today. But look at what I did. I was able to get these things done today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't beat myself up. And to be able to say, okay, well, today I spent the entire day spinning my wheels, but that's a, a process and it helped me clear some clutter from my mind. That's okay too. You know, it's just, it's learning to be more at peace.
1: I think I do that. I just I went to physio, and I was telling her about how disappointed I am in myself because I'm training for a marathon, and I was really sick, and I twisted my ankle, so I only did like half my running for the week. Mm -hmm. She looked at me, and she said, you do realize you can take a week off, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And you did half, which is... Better than nothing.
0: Yeah, all of that, and you—you need to recover in terms of you know you twisted your ankle. Give yourself time to recover. And yet, I think so often we all beat ourselves up for what so. we didn't didn't accomplish. And yet, you look at your week and you think, oh, I actually accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's remembering to celebrate those moments and celebrate each and every step that you do, each and every piece you know that you of the puzzle that you're able to put together towards wherever it is you want to be. That's worth celebrating.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes you need that coach or you need that physiotherapist or somebody that can help you because it's easier, I think, for them to see and show you that, well, no, here's what you did do.
0: Exactly. And to, you know, get you to to think about it in those terms and to reframe, you know, to be able to see things from a different perspective. Because so often, especially as women, Mm. right, we beat ourselves up all the time. Oh, I'm not perfect. I didn't do this perfectly. Nobody's perfect. It's okay to be human. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to do something one day and think, oh, okay, I didn't really want to go down that path. I'm now going to change my goal a little bit because, you know, for starting up my own business mm-hmm. or, um okay, I don't love my job. So what am I going to do to find another job or to do something else? And yeah. that's okay. And, and it's okay to take side steps, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay to not be perfect. And yet we uh, so often forget that, that we beat ourselves up because, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, my God, it's the end of the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But
0: that's how we learn. (laughs) That's how we grow. And and coming to terms with it's okay to make mistakes because that's how we grow. And to not see a failure as a failure. And and that was a big step for me because growing up in a family of overachievers, you know, I um, my dad put me in competitive tennis when I was 10. Wow. And, um, you know, and, and so, and I loved it. I mean, I really enjoyed playing. But at the same time, when I played in tournaments in my mom's side of the family, they're crazy competitive people. So, you know, if I got to the finals and lost, rather than celebrating that, wow, holy smokes, you got to the finals, that's good. Yeah. You know, my mom's relatives would all be like, well, but you lost. Aww. That's, you know, the first loser. And when you're a 12-year-old kid, that sticks in your, your brain. Mm -hmm. and for me a lot of the learning the last few years has been learning that no failure is not necessarily a bad thing failure means you were able to move that much closer to reaching your goals Mm -hmm. so now learn from whatever it was that happened to make you have to reevaluate your path so that you can then reach your goals that's good you know so learning from the the failures and not being afraid of them Mm -hmm. um has really allowed me to push my edges in terms of becoming an entrepreneur. I was, you know, I worked for a company all my life for some employer, you know, all my life. So starting up a a business where I had to learn how to fail Mm -hmm. in that. I knew that there was a lot I didn't know and I wasn't going to get it right every time out of the gate, Mm -hmm. but really learning how to accept not being perfect. And learning to make those mistakes, knowing that that's how I'm going to learn, you know, to succeed, mm-hmm. has been hugely important. And I think but for becoming sick yeah. and not being able to run or work or really do anything, you know, for a good period of time, I wouldn't have come to this place in my life where I'm much more peaceful and more able to just accept life and just to be
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. So how did you get to this place? I know you mentioned that you went to a lot of therapy. Did you have any other paths that you took?
0: So I think through coaching, um, you know, through when I started up in, in coaching school, I also then, um, had access to peer coaches. So mm-hmm. the other, um, students that were going through the school with me, going through the training with me, um, became my peer coaches and, um, you know, they were fantastic. And so having, coaches along the way to help me look forward. And, and the great thing about coaching is that um, it's all forward thinking, right? It's mm-hmm. about, it's not about digging through your past to figure out, you know, and that's therapy and, and not to say therapy is not good because there is a place for therapy and there is a place for counseling for sure. Mm-hmm. But the power of coaching is that it's forward looking. So oh, it's about okay. figuring out what you want to do. Where do you want to be? What do you want to accomplish? What's important to you? You know, what areas of your life do you want to improve upon? And then putting those plans in place and then looking at breaking the, you know, the big plan down into step-by-step action plans mm-hmm. and then committing to taking those steps and putting one foot in front of the other. And, um, you know, two of the coaches that, um, you know, Suzanne Fontaine and, and Janelle Lato um, were the two coaches who helped me to really map up my path and help me to, and I I talk about, I, I thank both of them in my book because of the fact that they helped me to one, write and complete my book in that they were able to help me stay focused.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um,
0: and they also helped me to figure out my business plan. What did I need to do in terms of starting up my own business? What did I want to do? What did I want my business to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and through coaching with them, I was able to lay out a plan so certainly for me the the coaching has really helped me move forward.
1: One thing I'm wondering I think I'm tying together what you're saying did you start doing the coaching in that 6 months that you were still recovering?
0: So let me I'm trying to think back in terms of time frame so I quit my job in 20 at the end in September of 2012 mm-hmm. and then I started coaching school um July the following year. Okay. So during the six months when I was recovering and trying to figure things out, I had a a counselor. Mm -hmm. And so I think the therapy brought me to a place where I could actually learn from coaching school and from having a coach Mm because I was able to move forward. So I think without the, having the help of the therapist, I wouldn't have been able to let go of my past. Okay. And then when the coaches, you know, I think, you know, it's funny how the universe works in that. The coaching classes that I signed up for started in July of 2013, and I was in a a place where I could start looking forward. And so having the coaching really helped me to start putting plans in place and allowed me to put one step in front of the other, you know, to get a book going and to look at Mm -hmm. well, what did I want my business to look like? If I'm going to be an entrepreneur, what does that look like? What does that even mean for me? Yeah. And um, so the timing was really great.
1: Right. So in that time where they were doing all the tests and everything, before you started to do the coaching classes, did they put you on any medications, or did you just have a lot of like rest and doctor visits and and wonder as to what was going to happen?
0: A lot of rest, visits, doctors' visits, and well, and the interesting thing was because I was a bit anxious too. I was suffering from a bit of anxiety. I think my doctor gave me Advan, which I didn't take. Oh, me too. Um, I chose not to take it because I thought I I don't think I need to be foggy because yeah. uh, she wanted me to she's like no but the good thing about the advent is just help you relax and and yeah. you know be able to function better I guess as a human being um and but I decided not to take it because I thought no I'm going to first go and get a therapist and see if I can work through whatever it is that's causing me to be anxious
1: oh okay
0: rather than taking the medication
1: I think this point here it's such a vulnerable point to talk about and a lot of our listeners are, are here now, and I've had people in some of the groups that I have or just emailing me saying that they're at that point <laughs> where the doctor wants to give them antidepressants or Adiban and it's a case-by-case decision whether or not to go that route. But I think it's really interesting how it seems there's a big disconnect between the doctors and then the burnt outside of life and, and realizing and dealing with all of that to move forward.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and not to say that, you know, Adaban is a bad thing, just because yeah. I think it is helpful for, um, some people. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right that absolutely it's a case by case situation. And, and, you know, my doctor is a really great doctor. I love her dearly. Yeah. Um, you know, she's been fantastic in helping me with my physical illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly I think from the emotional and mental health side of things, um, my therapist, for me personally, it was much more helpful than I think the Ativan would have been
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, just because working through, you know, what is it that made, makes me anxious? What is it that, and, and, you know, part of that also helped me to realize that, well, I was totally in the wrong job, you mm-hmm. know, given my personality and how I react to things and, um, you know, where my comfort zone was and is in terms of who I am as a human being mm-hmm. um, you know, that was not the right fit for me as a job because I needed to, which is really interesting in that, you know, I, I had never thought I was a caring person and yet through a lot of the the work with my therapist and it was there that um, I realized, or, or he helped me to realize that I'm what's known as an orchid child.
1: Oh, right, tell so, us about that. I've never heard of that.
0: So somebody who is super, super sensitive to stimuli, And, you know, I still remember when I was a kid that, some, you know, when my mom put me in a sweater, um, I would want to scratch my arms off oh, uh, because it was so itch and it was so, and, and so apparently orchid children, and apparently more and more studies have been done, you know, in the last 20 years on orchid children, orchid children are super, super hypersensitive to stimuli. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you get overstimulated, um, you have breakdowns and as a child, Mm -hmm. I cried a lot and I would hide in the closet. You know, my mom would find me hiding in the closet crying because I'd been overstimulated, you know, because there were people in the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was my therapist that helped me to realize that being in confrontational situations, which you are as a lawyer.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. And
0: that when you are an orchid child, obviously that is why I closed myself off as mm-hmm. a human being and that I couldn't care about the situation because otherwise I would probably be in the corner crying. And so my coping was to just say, okay, I don't care. I'm going to build a wall and this is how I'm going to go through life. And, and, you know, through therapy, I came to realize, wow, but that's not who I am as a person Mm -hmm. that I need to be passionate about what I do. I need to love what I do. I need to care about others and be able to work in a field where I can care. And not have to have this big wall as a, a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so um, being able to work through that, uh, through the therapy, and then even through the coaching in terms of, you know, my for looking forward and, and being able to be more at peace um, has been just such a huge gift for me. Um, and again, it was, you know, if I hadn't become ill, I would not be here now and I would not be in the same space to be able to realize that wow I can let go of that coping and it's okay and and the other thing is you know it's okay to cry Mm -hmm. if you know if something really touches you that's okay you know whereas growing up my my parents my mom was always don't cry in public okay that that's no good do not cry in public and Mm -hmm. as a kid you know most of the time was like, oh, that's too much. I want to cry. But no, there's no crying in public. But now learning to be able to let go and just say, well, you know what? If something touches me and brings a tear to my eye, that's okay. Nothing Absolutely. wrong with that.
1: Absolutely. Wow. So will you share with us just a little tidbit from your book, perhaps uh, for someone who's just starting to come out of sickness that is realizing they don't want to go back to the life they came from, how they could use your 80 year rule.
0: Okay. One of the exercises I do in there is around what I call the wheel of life. And the wheel of life is about the different aspects of our lives. So, you know, your career and business, your friends and family, relationships, um, abundance, mm-hmm. and the well-being is in the middle of the wheel. And mm-hmm. the reason why I created the wheel that way is because I think all of the different areas of our, our lives will tug on our well-being if, our, if mm-hmm. those aspects are out of sync. And, um, you know, for me personally, and this is why I put the the Wheel of Life into the book, it was coming to the realization of life is holistic and it is truly a wheel in that everything is interconnected.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, so often in, in workplaces now, we hear people talk about work-life balance.
1: Yes. And yes. I hate
0: that term <laughs> because of the fact that it makes us think that work is on one side of the equation And life is on the other side. Exactly. And you have to somehow balance this work with the rest of your life as opposed to looking at your work as one piece of that wheel. Mm -hmm. It's one aspect of your life. And when you start thinking about it more holistically, doesn't it then make sense that in terms of your life and in terms of your wheel, being able to roll forward and for you to have the momentum that your work And your life in terms of family and friends and your relationships and your community involvement, Mm -hmm. your personal growth, all of those pieces, your spiritual growth, all of those pieces have to be able to connect in some way. Mm -hmm. And they are truly interconnected. So rather than thinking about pieces of your life as just separate things that sit out there at random, being able to look at it as one piece, one wheel, knowing that your well-being is in the middle And then looking at, well, how do I want each aspect of my life to look so that I can be well and be the best that I can be?
1: Oh, I just love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh,
0: you're very welcome.
1: Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with before we say goodbye?
0: Well, first of all, thank you, Gina, for inviting me on this podcast. Um, It's been lovely speaking with you, and and I've really enjoyed being interviewed by you. You're a great interviewer. (laughs) Thank you. I think really all I can say to... Our listeners is truly believe, you know, wherever it is you are, whatever obstacles you're going through, it will make you more resilient Mm -hmm. to overcome. Once you overcome those obstacles, that goes into your kit bag, so to speak, and you will have built more resilience and more grit. Mm -hmm. And that will allow you to build the life you want and to be able to take a step forward each day at a time to be able to live the life you want to live, um, don't give up and give it all you've got. Because at the end of the day, we all you know whether or not you believe in reincarnation, you only have this one life to live as the person you are.
1: Yes, absolutely. So
0: make the most of it and live your best life. Do what you love.
1: I love it. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Before I'll just say that at the show notes, everydayssecondchance.com, I will put a link to your book, Claire Young, The Eighty Year Rule and then I'll link all the other places that you can tell them about they can find you.
0: Okay, perfect. My website is www.claryoung.com, so I will provide you with the link and I will also provide you with the links to my Facebook page and my Twitter feed.
1: Perfect. So you're mostly Great. on Facebook, Twitter, and of course the website. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you again so much for coming and giving us your time and sharing your wisdom today. Thanks, Gina. Uh-huh.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Second Chance Radio for the most positive and uplifting time on the radio. So tune in again with your host Gina Kane of
1: Second Chance Radio.